Shalom. Hey, Shalom. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Whoa, it's a kitten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah. How's everything going? Uh, things are better now in Israel. Where are you? I'm in Cape Town, South Africa, back home. Okay. Yeah. And how is Cape Town? I mean, South Africa is like Israel, I think, in terms of number of um, of people sick. No, I think we're like we haven't got that many now, or in general. I think our total is like four thousand, and that's. The most how many people did though? Couple hundred, maybe. Maybe I don't even. So know. nice to see you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like we're doing fairly well, but we're in a lockdown, so we had like harsh restrictions. But yeah, I'm excited to be in your class. Hi. Yeah. Welcome. Hey. Yes. Now we have two yodins. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so funny. Jordan, yeah, do you go huh? by Jordan or Yardena? So Jordan, my Hebrew name's not even actually Yarden, which is interesting. Hmm. What's your Hebrew name? My Hebrew name's Rachel because my family like um, names, gives like Hebrew names after our middle names. So my middle name's Ray. So like my whole like mom's side has always done like, I actually didn't know you like tend to name after like the first name. So everyone's like so confused about my <laughs> Hebrew name because it makes no sense. But yeah, that's actually really pretty. So I really like Jordan. So I, I I'll tell my mom. Yeah, I love that line. And Tahila. Then your Hebrew name. <laughs> Tahila, what does Tahila mean? Huh? What does Tahila mean? It's the um, Shoresh is Halil, which means like. Uh, like glory, I guess if I was, if I had an English name, it would probably be like Gloria or something. The town is not Jewish. Huh? <laughs> Hello sounds very them. Jewish, but Gloria does Why not sound Why is the connection not good? Do you guys hear me? I hear you really. I know. <laughs> no, I don't have an English name. I'm just translating it. It means like glory to the Lord, like hallelujah to Hashem. Kind of. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. It's really pretty, though. Toda. <laughs> Tom, you know what? If you can, you hear me well? Because I hear you cut up, like not so well. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, your connection is a little bit like fuzzy at times, but like mostly it's fine. Like now, for instance, it's a bit frozen, but now you're back. Maybe. I'll try. <laughs> Tough. You know what? So maybe we'll recap because you weren't here last time. So we'll try to recap and then and then we'll continue. Tom. 
So this shiur is actually um, on Pirkei Avot. And I said it's dedicated uh, for my father, so that's why we're learning a certain, a certain parashan, whose name is Haben Ishchai, Sephardi parashan. I remember you're not Sephardi and everybody only thinks you're Sephardi in Israel. I remember that. Yeah. Not you, oh. D, not you, Jordan. The other Jordan, Rachel Jordan. Oh. <laughs> but uh, so he was, he was a chief rabbi in Baghdad, Baghdad, Iraq. And so basically, I, I said the whole story why Dafka him, but basically we're going with his commentary more or less. Okay, so we... Um, Your dad was a chief rabbi in Iraq? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> no way, no way. Really, no. No, he was... <laughs> no, you did. It's so funny. No, no, definitely not. He was... Uh, it, this, the rabbi who wrote that commentary on Pirkei Avot, who we're going with, he was the chief rabbi of Baghdad. Ah, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and no, it, whatever. It's a long story why I chose Defkahim. I won't say it now because I talked about it before. But and also, I want to, you know, we should do the actual text because we should. Afterwards, if you want to ask me, even you didn't text me. Text me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Twist so, my arm. Huh? I said twist my arm. <laughs> it's an expression like. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, we said, Moshe Kibel, the first Mishnah in Pirkei Avot is Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. Moshe received Torah from Sinai. We said that, and then he passed it over to Yehoshua, who passed it over to the Zkinim, who passed it over to the Nevi'im, etc. Okay? Okay? Hold on. Okay. You have to go like this if it's okay. And like this, if not, it's easier than hearing you. So we said, hey, Jace. So he said he received Torah Misinai. And why Misinai? What he says, Misinai as opposed to Mishamai, because he went all the way up. But why does it say he got it from Sinai and not from Shemaim or not from the Kadosh Baruch Hu? talked about that. He said because, first he said the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu, if he would go all the way up to Shemaim and all the way up to the Kadosh Baruch Hu, then his Chomer, his like uh, the atoms, the molecules that make up his body, like the, the actual stuff, you know, physical, would have just been over and he would have been all, like he would have been all spiritual. And he had to be the mediator between the people down here and Shamaim. That's why he had to, that's why it's called that he got it from Sinai. He had to be on Sinai, which is halfway between Shamaim and earth. And that's what we said about me Sinai. Ken? <laughs> Another thing we said, you know, I was skip because, uh, but basically said things. The elders said, be patient with every case that comes before you. That's Hevu Metunim Badin. Amidu 
talmidim harbe, which means um, like make sure you have a lot of talmidim. Don't go for quality, go for quantity. Don't be like a snobby club, but it is, is, has a right to learn Torah. Even like, you know, so don't be all snobby about it. And the third thing was asusiag la Torah. Asusiag la Torah generally means uh, like put a fence around Torah. Like um, if the, the most common example is either Shabbat or Shomer Nigi. Let's say if you're not allowed to sleep one before you get married, then they go all the way and they say, can't even fence even before going to the actual isu. Kapish? Okay. Then, that's, that's basically when we talked about those things. And what he says, what we didn't get to so much, but we'll, we'll try to get through this, is he, he said that why Dafka those three things? I mean, Chazal said so many things. Why do we start Pirkeavot with, with those three things? If you have a question there, that, by the way, then like, you know how to put those hands, like those uh, imagey hands or something? Even that, and then, we'll, and then I can hear you. Okay, good, because I don't, so I just trust you. Fine. Says the Ben Ishchai, that's the rabbi of Baghdad who, whose commentary we're learning from. He says, really before, because they say so many things, Chazal, we first have to like accept upon us their, their, their status. Like, just see that they're... Um, like, who are they so that we listen to them? Maybe they just made up all these halachot. And even if you want to, we believe there's a Torah and we want to follow the Torah, maybe we don't, maybe they just, they're people. And maybe they just made it, they want honor, they want to be popular. And maybe they just added things which are not, we're not obligated to follow. So, says the Ben Ishchai, aha. He says three proofs. There are three proofs why for three proofs to the fact that they did not like it's not just a, uh, a thing of popularity and honor that to follow, the rabbis aren't just like you know just um, it's a power system whoever's more strong whoever's more, it's not just for power and honor that they put all these halachot but it's really emit it's really truth and he says what are those three what are his three proofs his three arguments he said like this first thing is if uh, let's say you have a question Okay, you have a question about, um, I don't know, you'll say you have a bit of blood in your, in your, in a yolk of egg. You, you, and a question, yes? And there are two rabbis in your town. One would say, one you know that would give you an immediate answer. He would say, kosher, not kosher. That's it, two minutes, you're out. The other rabbi would say, I'm not, I had to check it, and he would start opening books and sefarim and take out the Gemara and take out this and that, and then he would sit on it and then give you the answer. So who would be more popular? The first one or the second one? First one, right? Of course, because you just want to, this, and he wrote this way before you just clicked and got a, an answer from Google or from Chabad.net, whatever. He said it even then. So the fact that, so that, that's so, right. And they said, the fact that their first thing, uh, that what they said in Pelkei be patient. It's not about the output. It's about treating every case and every question as if it's a world in itself. That entails, that means by definition that they don't go for the honor, for the popularity. Because 
they're saying something that is the exact opposite of what they would have said if, if what they would have searched for was popularity and honor. Because they're saying, no, don't rush. It's not about the output. Every case, open the books, be humble, and be patient with every case that you have. Okay? That's one. Second thing is, what we talked about this with professors, that sometimes, usually professors, they like work about on their doctorate and everything until they reach whatever they find out. And then, even if they have students, the higher, like the higher up the professor, the less students, he, like in a way he would have like his little group of like uh, Einsteins kind of, like brilliant people, and that would be like the elite. And also even to them, he wouldn't, he wouldn't pass on all of everything that he knows because then they could be greater than him because they already have his starting point and they're young and they're motivated and then they would, you know, reach even more than what he did. So usually he keeps like most of the, like something very important, whatever he learned, whatever he reached, he, conclusion or whatever he found out, he would keep to himself and he would only teach like parts in, to this group and to that group or whatever, to this secluded group. And again, he, the bulk of the, of the idea he would leave by him. But here they say, they say, it's not about the quality, it's about quantity. Everything you have, just pass over, pass over to as many Talmudim that you have. This is again, the opposite of what you would think to be popular, like to be more honorable, not popular, maybe more honorable, like more to have more kavod. Don't keep it by you. You have Torah, teach, teach everything. Don't say, oh, well, I, I won't teach, uh, I don't know, this, I'll only teach that. No, hakon, so pass over. That's why we say pass over. Okay? And the third thing, that he says, to put a fence about the top, that's the least popular that you can be. I mean, of course, if, some, if a rabbi, one rabbi would say something would be much more stringent and one would be more lenient, then the more lenient one would be much more popular because you don't, you're not, not looking for a hard life. You're not looking to add to, like, you know, to have so many stringents. And also, if he says, if, you give, if he's more stringent, that's the word stringent, like more tough, more stringent, okay, machmir. If he's more machmir, then that means that he also has, of course, he also has to keep it. He can't say, I don't know, uh, I don't, don't have an example, but uh, do this, and, like to be so, I don't know, Pesach. He can't say don't, well, he can't say don't have tomatoes on Pesach and then you come to him on Pesach and he himself has like ketchup, right? He has to, so what, he wouldn't make, it, even if you're more like, it sounds like you're more of a tzaddik if, you, if you're more stringent, but still the inconvenience balances out how much tzaddik, let's say, you are. So those are the three proofs that you need in order to know that someone is not doing whatever he's doing for, just for the kavod or for the popularity. One, if, he, if he's, um, he's patient, with every, patient with every case, he doesn't like, just give the output. Stein, he, he gives all he knows to everybody. He, he shares everything. He doesn't keep anything to himself. That means he's, uh, he's not doing it for... They think only he's smart. And three, that again, if he, if he is stringent, not only about, if he's stringent, then also that means he's doing it for emit because nobody, again, nobody wants to be just have such a hard life and the inconvenience is too great, even if you seem to be in that city. And those are the three things that the Chazal said, that's the, how the Mishnah opens. Those three things, be patient, have many Talmudim, and associate make offense. If those are the three things they open with, then that kind of, 
maintains that shows us that it kind of gives us who they are and like why we should follow them and that it's not for popularity and not for honor. Capish? <laughs> okay. Fine. Okay. Hmm. Oh, yes. This is, again, it's weird for me not to hear you. I, I, I need the feedback. Sometimes say something just that I know that you're listening. I hear you. We hear you. Hey, Shalom. <laughs> Eva. So. <laughs> okay, he gives a story. Ben Ishai gives a story also. And it sounds, sounds like the story happened to him, even though he doesn't say it. Uh, he doesn't say it. But it sounds, the way he says other details of the story, it sounds like it happened to him. And this is the story. He said, uh, someone, there was this case. Someone was walking on a shvil. You know what a shvil is? A derech. Derech kazati. And on the derech, uh, he was walking, continued walking. Three minutes later, shalosh dakot later, somebody else was walking on the same derech. And that someone all of a sudden noticed something um, glistening, like ting ting, he picks it up, and it's a gold coin. So, great. Now, the person who already went there three minutes before, he happened to look back, and maybe he said, wow, wasn't that? So the guy heard that, and he looked back, and he sees that the one who came after him is holding a, co a gold coin. So he rushes to the guy and he says, oh, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. Now, if it was a purse or a wallet, then it's easy to, it's like there's, there's rules. If you, a wallet is easy. You can ask him, uh, if it's your wallet, then tell me how I can recognize that this is your wallet. If you say that it's, I don't know, blue with a, with a red zipper, then I know it's yours. But if it's a coin, and then halakhically I have to give it back to you. But if it's a coin, there's no way there's nothing to, every, every golden coin is like, is like another golden coin. So according to the halakha, like, I can't, you can't give me signs to prove that it's dafka yours, and therefore it's mine. That's the halakha, okay? But if he has, if he, can, if he says things that make common sense, like he says, well, it's only three minutes, you see, I'm on the same road, nobody else is around here. And, and if he swears on the sefer Torah, can't hear, I have a Tanakh here if you Swears on a Tanakh, on a Sefer Torah, in the name of Hashem, he puts his hand and he says, I swear that this is mine. Then, usually what you do is you, if he reaches that point, then you believe him and you give him the golden coin. Okay? So they were discussing, it's yours, it's mine, give me, you can't give me some money, no, 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 I, but I swear, I can swear if you want, I can swear. They were, said, let's go to the rabbi in the nearby town. Again, I think this rabbi, I think it sounded like this happened and the rabbi was the commentary that we're learning now, Ben Ishchai. But I don't know. So they go to the rabbi. The rabbi kind of thinks, he has like, he, he senses that the first guy, the one, who, the one who claims for the golden coin came back. He thinks that he's uh, hmm, sketchy. He thinks he's a liar. But yes, how can he prove it? He just has this intuition. So what can he do? Again, if he would go... If he would not go, if he would follow the, the wheels of justice, like the system, then he, if there's, not, how, if there's no way to prove it, he just has to say, okay, swear on the Torah. And it's, but because it says, that's what we're learning, we just learned in Mishnah Aleph in Pelkei Avot, that it says, be patient. Metunim like hamtanasich, lehamtin means to wait. So be patient with, the, with your cases. He did not rush to say, okay, this is very clear, A, B, C, in this such a case, swear and I'll give it to you because he thought this is not true. So he said, uh, you know what? 
can you, he told the lawyer, he knew, so he said to the lawyer, can you just wait a minute behind the door? He said, of course. He walked out and waited behind the door. And the rabbi said to the, to the guy who found the golden coin, he said, he said it out loud. It's really funny how he writes it. He said it out loud. He says, he even chuckled as he said it. He said, like, ha look, you see, I see that there's a little hole at the side of this golden coin. You see, there's a little hole over here. So maybe when we, what we can do, I'm telling you what my plan is, we'll call him back. And if he can, if he'll remember and if he'll identify and say, oh, there was a, there was a little hole at the end of the, on top of the golden coin, then you, I assume you would agree with me that it belongs to him and we'll give it back to him. And he won't even have to swear on the Torah because it's a big thing to swear on the name of Hashem. Like he swear on the name of Hashem. It's not something to be taken, to be done lightly. So the guy says, of course. Now the rabbi knew that since the other, man, the other guy behind the door was a liar, he assumed that the liar would be listening the whole time because he knows it's about him and it's about his case. And he wants to know what the rabbi is planning with the other guy. So he knew he was, so he knew he was listening, which he indeed was. That's why he talked out loud and even chuckled like, ha ha, let's see if he knows, no, no, no. So then they call him back in. And the liar comes in and the rabbi says, do you, do you, this, I mean, you don't, we don't have to according to Lecha because, uh, because a coin is a coin, but specifically in this case, do you maybe remember or something? Was there anything unusual with this golden coin that you claim was yours? So the liar says, yes. <laughs> I just remembered there's a little, there's a little hole on top of the golden coin. So, of course, aha, we caught you, we caught you, you son of whatever. Of course, he did not say that. He just said, we caught you, right-handed. And he says, you see, there's no, there's no, that, that we just tricked you. We tricked you. Everything was fine. He did. So what, what happened? First of all, justice came. Tzedek or That's a phrase in Hebrew. Tzedek, justice, or like we've seen. So justice was maintained, let's say. Justice was maintained because he didn't get the golden coin. The lawyer didn't get the golden coin, but the guy who happened to find it got the golden That's one. Two, the guy, the lawyer, it was enough that he lied, but at least he didn't, he didn't, um, he didn't swear in the name of Hashem. So that's like he saved him from that sin. And not only saved him from that sin, but it's also like, and he also saved the Torah in a way from that sin, like to be used, to be manipulated in order to do something wrong. To swear in the name of God, like it's like you're saying the name of the of King Arthur, I say this and this, then it's also degrading for King Arthur that somebody would lie in his name. So again, if somebody swears in the name of Torah, it's also, it degrades the, the Torah that it's been used, it's being used just for like, you know, bad things. What is the connection? Why am I telling you this story? Says the Ben Ishchai. <laughs> it's beautiful. He said, ah, this is, an, <laughs> this is another way I'm seeing it. These are, this is my tip or my advice for the Dayanim, for the, for the, just, for the people of um, Dayanim, the, the judges of every generation. Be patient with the, with the din and don't rush to do a din. We understood that. 
העמידו תלמידים הרבה, he explains it now in a different way, he gives another dimension. What does it mean, העמידו תלמידים הרבה? פשט, what we said before, means have a lot of תלמידים, have a lot of students, right? That's what we said before. Okay, give over the Torah, don't be stingy with it, it's not yours. Whatever you know, pass on, pass on. That's, by the way, something we should all learn. Like, uh, like today, everybody can learn Mishnah, Pirkei Avot, right? We all learn, we all, we all learn, we all, and you know how to read, and... It's, it's easier, it's, it's, uh, it's accessible. So this also applies to us. If Mishpat initially was maybe more for the leaders of any generation, the fact that we ourselves can read and learn it maybe puts us in the level that we're obliged in a way to follow in their way. If you can already learn it, then you might as well follow it as much as you can. And if it says, even though it meant for the judges or for the leaders have many pupils, many students who learn Torah, Every person who could read that and understand that has now, maybe in a way, an obligation to also teach whatever they know. Or, well, you don't have to be like, oh, snob, like, you know, like those annoying people that all the time they just want to teach you and teach you and teach you when you don't want to listen. But when it is in place, you have like, you have to like spread the light. Okay? Back to our story. So, be patient with the deen, we understood. This is what he says. He says something interesting here. He says, not pshat, talmidim, not as, as students, not, doesn't mean students, it means like limudim, um, talmidim from the shoresh of limud. So, talmidim, like give, give him a lot of, uh, like, uh, how can I explain it in Hebrew, in English? Make, put a, create a situation when you would learn more about the case. I forgot to turn it off. Hold on. Create a situation where you can learn more. Like in this case of with the coin, what he did was he told him to go out of the room and everything. So he created a situation where that guy would would incriminate discriminate himself. How do you say he would make it criminal himself? Incriminate. What? Incriminate. Yes, 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 yes. When we're criminal, yes. That he created a situation where the guy himself incriminated himself. Thank you. So that's that's what he says. Like we create a situation where you could limod halbe from the talmidim. They shouldn't. They can incriminate themselves. They have more things to limod. Talmidim from limod. Okay. And asusiyag la Torah, the third one, make a siyag for the Torah, make like a fence around the Torah. It explains it now, it gives a totally different explanation, not so that like add stringencies so that you won't violate the the, the core the right of the core Torah mitzvah. He says asusiyag la Torah, put a fence around the Torah. It's as if he's saying like to guard the Torah itself, like put a fence around it so it won't be. Won't be mechulal. It won't be degraded. Like if he would have, if that guy would have swore on the name of the Torah, he's degrading the Torah. If you put, if you do whatever you can, not to, not to have the Torah manipulated by, by criminals, a fence around the Torah, lishmor it. So, as far as possible, from just easy way of him just swearing in the name of Torah, in the name of Hashem, and doing evil. Kapish. <laughs> that was that was 
that was really like stagging out. Thank you, Jamie. That was really like learning like that, no? Because it's like, yeah, this is a brain exercise. I like it. It's interesting. It's seeing it in a totally different way, but you have to be, yeah, you have to be awake to yeah. follow it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Alert. Alert, yes. <laughs> it's easier if it's nine o'clock in the morning and not 7.30 p.m. <laughs> Seven, yeah, I'm in Israel too, 7.30. I know, I know. So it's like already, I just got another cup of coffee, so I thought I have to like be alert because this is... <laughs> oh, I think with this, we kind of finished um, Mishnah Aleph. There's also one by my belongings, so let's just go to Mishnah bit. Ready? You guys have Pilkeavod? Ten. Ah, you're such good students. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm very proud of you. Very proud. Yes, eh? Mishnah Bet, there's not, um, we're not gonna, not a lot about it. I think we can actually, what time is it, 7.30? I think maybe we'll even go to, get to Mishnah Gimel, because Mishnah Bet, he, he writes a lot of things, but they're, whoa, Kabbalistic things, and they're so out there, we're not even gonna start. We'll just say, be short, and then we'll go to Mishnah Gimel. Seda? Okay. So, I'll say, say after me. Okay. okay. So, unmute your... Mike. Are you back? Sorry. Okay. Shimon Hatadik. Shimon Hatadik. Haya Mishare Geneset Agdola. Haya Mishare Geneset Agdola. Who Haya Omer? Devarim <laughs> Okay, okay. That was a pasuk? It was a Mishnah. You just cited a whole Mishnah. Very impressive. I had to learn this by heart when I was like in, I don't remember, elementary school. Really? Yep. Good song. No, no song. Just I just had to learn it. I just, oh, just you know it. Huh? Yeah. Wow. The whole ch first chapter I knew by heart. Okay. So Shimon, it starts with Shimon at Sadiq. I don't. Um, yeah, y'all were in Yerushalayim, or are already in Yerushalayim? Did you ever go on the late train and hear like they saying Shimon at Sadiq? It's after if you come from Mayanot, then it's after. There's yeah, you know what I mean. There's a Ha'iria, City Hall, Ha'iria, El Baladia, right? And then there's, you know, and then there's Damascus Gate, Shal Shechem, and then there's Shimon HaTzadik. You know how they say that in Arabic, Shimon HaTzadik? They say, no. Shimon HaTzadik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 
I mean, this, we don't even, like it is the same thing exactly. Just with an accent. So Shimona, it's called, there's a whole neighborhood called Shimona Tzadik. Again, the rail station has a, a post there, a station over there. And it's in East Jerusalem, kind of. So only a lot of Arabs, a few Jews. But his grave is there. That's why it's called Shimona Tzadik, because it's oh. all surrounded by, before there was a neighborhood, there was just his grave, his uh, tomb, you say? That's how you say? T-O-M-B. And it's all around his uh, tomb, so that's why it's called Shimon Tzadik. Okay, so he was Mishyarei Chneset Agdola. Shiraim means like leftover. So he was like the end, the last, the last of Knesset Agdola. The whole Knesset Agdola was 120 elders that were judges and leaders. And he was like from the youngest generation. And then after, he was in the generation that Knesset Agdola already dispersed and a different, a different um, uh, period in Jewish history. Okay? So what did he say? He said, again, he said tons of things. I mean, I'm sure he said like, um, I have to brush my teeth, I have to have breakfast. He said tons of things. Why is it this though? Like, why is this mentioned? He said this. In Hebrew it sounds more, it says, who haya omer, the who and the ha shows who haya omer, he used to say, but it sounds like something that comes from inside. The ha sound comes from your guts. Who haya omer means that this was his like mantra in life. This was his, you know how some people have something that they go by that. They have something that they keep saying and that's their mantra. So who haya omer means his whole, his essence, his, what he believed in, what he used to say all the time because that's what he followed was this. So the first Mishnah, the Sanhedrin, those three things, again, they said tons of things, tons of halachot, but those were the three things, again, that they would have said that it was the essence of what they were saying. And now Shimon Sadiq, this is what he used to say. This is something like the, something very fundamental that he used to say, what? He said the world stands on three things, on shloshad dvarim ha'olam omed. Kol ha'olam kulo, olam is world, omed stands, Shlosha, like shalosh. So the three pillars, the world stands on three pillars. What are those three pillars? A, al HaTorah. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> what you would expect from Shimon HaTzadik, yes. So the first pillar the world, sta world stands on is the Torah. Second, he says, al HaAvodah. So usually we would think Avodah means like, work people have to work um really i have my instinct in a way i feel like that's what maybe he also means but nobody says that so i'm just saying pshat would sound like torah and avoda work not just if you're saying torah then you can't only rely on torah and say that's it god will do i'll just learn and he'll provide for me avoda you have to also work you understand that there is no haredi that would explain it like that but really, on most commentaries say that avodah he meant avodah in the mikdash, in the bet mikdash. It was there was um, it was called avodah avodat mikdash. That means whatever the kohanim do in the bet mikdash, the sacrifices and and you go and um, daven. So avodah in the times of the bet mikdash would be whatever sacrifices and work that you do in the bet mikdash. Avodah in the time after the bet mikdash would mean. Um, 
well, they say that what took place instead of the korbanot, instead of the work in the Bet Mikdash, is what we work in tefillah, in Bet Knesset. So in that case, Torah would be Torah, like we know, learning Torah. Avodah would mean, uh, would actually mean talk to Hashem and Davin. Okay? And three, but I, I, I can't, I can't, I, if I'm honest and I have integrity, I can't, I, I must say that I also think that Avodah just as just hard work just also makes sense, you know, but I'm just saying. Al gemilut chasadim, gemilut chasadim, chesed, to like do chesed and charity and, and help people, not just provide for yourself or just uh, in, uh, worry for your, be concerned for your own um, interest. But you have to, you have to, must help other people also. Gemilut chasadim. If you, if people would only think about themselves and nothing beyond, whoa, how would the world exist? I think the third thing, even like, is universal. I can't, I can't imagine anyone like a uh, normal person. I'm not talking about criminals. Any normal person who would not agree with that. There has to be some sense of charity, or the world would be a terrible place. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So, says the Ben Ishchai, I told you, he says things here that I don't even, can't even start to not only explain, to understand even, but one thing that he does say, though, that I can understand, is he says this. He says, Torah is the world of dibur. Torah, to learn Torah, when you learn Torah, you speak. Like you, when you have arguments or learn Torah, it's about, it's the, it comes with, from your mouth. It's about talking. Avodah, he goes by the fact that avodah is tefillah. So tefillah is davening, yeah? So tefillah is in the world of, of machshava, of thought, in the sphere of thought. And gmilut chasadim, which is charity and helping people, that is in the sphere of ma'aseh, of, of action, of deeds, of your hands. So the reason why... The, Three pillars. Everything. If you want something to be stable, it has to have at least. If you have a if you have a chair with two legs, it's not stable. You have to have at least three to have a stable stool. So we have three avot. We have three like Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. That's like the basic of something that is stable is three. Like beginning of anything stable is three. Less than three is not like stable. So we have Torah, Avodah, and Gmilut Chasidim. And he says, he met, he points out something else. He says. Do you, if we were in class, I would ask you to find it. But we don't, if you have less time and you're not in class, so I'll just tell you. So, but he says, we should have thought, it would make sense to think that, um, we said it's the, it's the, we have the sphere of the mind, the sphere of the, of the mouth, and the, and the hands. It makes sense to say, to put it in that order. First thought, and then speech, and then hands. Then you have a gradual process. First you think of something, then you talk about it, and then you do it. But how come he, the way that Shimon HaTzadik said, he said Torah, which is speech, and then Avodah, which is thought, and then Gilud Chasadim. Any idea? I do want to hear you a bit. Think about it. Do you understand the question, first of all? Is the question clear? Would it be, um, like, it says that Hashem, like, spoke the world into being. So right. to like speech being like the main like creative force. 
that applies only to Hashem. <laughs> for him, like to say, <laughs> I mean, for him, he said it and it happened because he doesn't have, he doesn't have, he doesn't, it's like you said, it's abracadabra, I say, and it happens. He doesn't have a thought even here. It's like all three at once. But for people, any idea? I have an idea. Maybe it's that um, people were meant to, so you first speak to like be in, co in connection and collaborate and everything. And then you come up with the idea that then you're going to act upon so that it's not like a, like a solitary type of experience where you have your idea. Oh, that's, I like that. That is very nice. I like that. But he doesn't, he doesn't say it, but I like that. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to actually adopt it. I'm going to say that next time I teach, I'm going to say that also. It's, I like that. Okay. No, really. It's a nice idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, any, anyone else want to try? I think so. I'll tell you what he says. Nice. He says, the middle pillar is the most important one. What? Oh, no. I was just going to say that for speech coming first, I once heard that, like, if you vocalize something, it's more inclined to happen. You're kind of bringing it into present, into reality. And I found that to be true. So, like, if I want to do something, I'll speak it into existence. I won't just have the thought because it's more powerful and it gets me to actually carrying out the task the third way. Can you hear me? Well, what you said actually reminds me of what Yardin said, the other Yardin, Rachel Yardin, <laughs> Jordan, because, um, because what you're saying again is that, is that like the, the dibur is what puts it into action. What do you say that? The dibur, that speech is what put things into action. Nice. But it does. So that means that the speech is actually closer to action. It's like in the middle. It's in the middle between action and thought. But for sure you have to have some kind of a thought, a spark of a thought before you can even start speaking about it. And then people, well, like Eva said, then people can give their ideas and then it can get more of emotion and then and then give birth to some kind of, hopefully, to some good action. So, but again, even so, then thought would come would come before the before the speech, and after that only would come the action. But okay, I'll just tell him what he says. It what whatever he says is true, but what he says is that. Since the thought is the most important thing, Torah Avodah, yeah, your kavana. the most important thing is your kavana, your thought. If you, so, if you do, you have Torah, Avodah, and Gmilut Chasidim, right? If your Torah is pure, it has to have the true kavana. Everything is connected with that. Like, think of, let me show you. Um, you know what segol? You know how we had a nekudot in the letters, in the Hebrew letters, and you have a segol, which is like two dots and another dot down here, like that. That is a segol. You know what I'm talking about? So he said Torah, Avodah, 
אני מבין אותך שדים, בעבודה, Hello, where you been, יעל הנורא? So he said that the avoda is like the middle, the bottom nekuda from the segun, which means it's like the balancing point. So if you have Torah on one hand, and then you have avoda in the middle, and then you have Gminut Chassadim, they're all connected. What gives them the balance point, the most important thing is the machshava, is the thought, is the avoda. So even, suppose you do Torah, which is the first thing. You do Torah, you want to do a certain mitzvah. If you don't have the machshava, if you don't have the avodah, the avodah stands for like the kavanah and things. Like when you dive in for something, it works. The whole idea is that you have, a kavanah, you have the right kavanah, you have the right thought. So if you do a mitzvah, let's say, you do a Torah, you do something from Torah, but you don't have the right kavanah, then your mitzvah doesn't count as much. And also if you do gmilut chasadim, on the other hand, that's Torah. Also the last thing, if you do gmilut chasadim, if you do charity, if you do a chesed, but you don't do it with the right kavanah, hello, Sarah, and you don't do it with the right kavanah, then again, it's worth much less. If you give somebody a cup of coffee just because um, you don't want to drink yours, like you still save the poor person's, uh, you know, you just gave him a burst of, of energy, but you get much less of a reward, or it's counted much less than if you did it in order to give him, to help him out. Kapish? <laughs> really, even though you just came? <laughs> I think I got whatever I got. <laughs> okay. So, that kind of sums what he says about those three things. I told you he says much more, but all the rest of the things are Kabbalistic and woo, 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 forget it. So, I'm happy to say we have enough time to go into the third Mishnah. Ready? Okay. I'll say, say after me. Until you have it? If, if you have it, go like this. If you have it in front of you. Okay, good, good. Yeah, then, D, you have it? No, but I haven't had it this whole time. I'll just repeat after you again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a copy of it. Okay, okay, fine. You're doing a good job till now, so I don't know. Okay, the first word is a difficult word because it's actually not a Hebrew word, it is a Greek word. Either I don't hear you at all, or I hear a radio or something over there in the background. And we can just from the audio. What? Sarah, you're on mute in case you were talking to me. Oh, I'm Okay, so the first word is a, is a Greek word. That's why it's hard to say. It's Antignos. So now I'll say Antignos. Yeah, it's a name, it's a name. He, I think he ruled after... Uh, Alexander Mukdon, Alexander the Macedonian, maybe that's how you say it. Alexander the Great, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> 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 okay, so he was named after him. So, Antignos Isoho. קיבל משמעון הצדיק. קיבל משמעון הצדיק. הוא היה אומר. 
who causes San Antignos? Like, um, th th this is, you understand what I'm saying? This is a whole new world, a whole new era, a whole new wall. But it shows you also the influence. Again, again, this, if he, that was his name, that means his parents were, I would say, I, I don't, I don't want to say off the derech, this is a funny thing to say for them, but they gave, that's the name they gave him. They did not call him Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, anything, they called him Antignos. They were influenced by, this is the time when the Greeks really influenced. They ruled here, after Alexander Mugdon and everything, they ruled here, and that's what, that's what worked. People were under the influence of Greek, um, the Greek, um, you know, thought. Aristo, all those, yeah? Hanukkah comes after that, but this was before Hanukkah. Okay, so what is this Antigonosh? Even though this is his name, we have to treat him very seriously. It's not his fault. And we hear what he has to say. He says, Maybe you can understand this even the Hebrew. This is also a little bit of Hebrew lesson because I can't, I can't avoid it if you want to really go to the you know, fantasy of this. So, Avadim, I know you know what Avadim is. Sarah, why do you look so serious? I think I make funny faces on Zoom. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I just love teasing you guys. This is part of my fun. I can't not have you in front of me in class and also not tease you, at least a little bit. This, this is... This is, this is <laughs> This is torture. Torture. <laughs> okay. So he said, Al Avadim, do not be like Avadim. Eved is a slave. Shalom Asani Avid, right? Do not be like slaves. Do not be like slave. Hamishamshina Tarav. Mishamesh means not Lishtameshes. Anybody? Mishamesh, Lishtamesh. Like the Shamash. Yes, exactly. Wow, what your association is Hanukkah, right? You were thinking of Hanukkah. <laughs> no, because the shamash, there's a person whose job sometimes called a shamash, but I, I was assuming you were talking about the candles, right? Yeah, I meant the shamash candle. You meant the shamash candle. So the shamash candle is called shamash because you use it. Like he's the one who like, um, uh, how would you explain shamash? Uh, it's somebody who, it's like, it's not the like Yehoshua was the shamash of Moshe Rabbeinu. Like he took care of his things. He took care of things. He did things. He's he lit the okay. The, you know the shamash and the candles is a good example. He's the one you pick up and you use to light the other candles. So don't they be like slaves that mishamshin etarav that that ah. Does anybody have English there? You can help me with your translation. I mean, what I have, it says, do not be like the servants who serve the master. Serve, okay. Yeah, it's not very colorful. It's not colorful. You can't picture the Hanukkah candles at all. <laughs> but okay, <laughs> serve. Don't be like servants who, or slaves who serve the master. In order to get a pras. Pras is also a Greek word, actually. Uh, it's either Greek or some say that it's Persian. Pras, you know what? Don't look in English. Do you know what pras is? Can you, can you think what pras means? 
you know, I'll give you a hint that in English, you use the same word. It so, again also comes from the Latin, Greek, whatever. Plus prize. You hear it? Plus prize. What prize? Oh, right. I forgot you're a linguist. I forgot, Jordan. The reward. Huh? Does, is, is that the reward part? Yes. Ah, you looked into the there. Yes. Okay, fine. You cheated. <laughs> right. So that's, if it says reward in your translation, it's bad. Because it's not accurate. I mean, it's, it's not bad. I have respect whoever translated. It must have been tons of hours and lots of work. Chapeau. But it's not accurate. Because if it was reward, it should have said sakhar. Sakhar means reward. It doesn't say do not serve uh, the rabbi or your master in order to get reward. It says in order to get a prize. And there is a word in Hebrew reward. That's sakhar. Sakhar and onish. But it doesn't say sakhar. It says prize, which is out of a box word. And just like in English, it sounds weird to say in order not to get a prize. Also in Hebrew, it sounds weird in order to not get a prize. But that's what it says. So we have to deal with what it says and then understand what, why does it say that? What does it want to tell us? Okay, so do not be like servants who serve their master in order to get a prize. Ella, 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 what is Ella? Ella is a great word. It's such a Gemara Talmudic word. It's such Ella, but rather, yeah, Ella. Be like servants who serve the rabbi or serve the master, your master. In order to not get, get a prize. And at the end, and may you have Yerachamayim, may you have Mora, not like Mora teacher, that's with a he at the end, but Mora with an Aleph, which means like Yira, which is fear, fear of God. May you have the fear of God on you. Wish? What is he? All right. Oh, okay. Thank you for reminding me that my time is over. So, we'll go into it more next time, Be'ezrat Hashem. Sedem? Thank you, Tila. Welcome, good to see you. Thank you, Tila. Thank you, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Bye, Eva. Okay, we'll end